0: Texas talking. Oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking. Oh, up aboveside your head. Texas talking. Tell
1: me who can you
0: trust when Texas hot Hello and welcome to the TribCast. This is Clay Johnston, Dean of the New Dell Medical School at UT Austin. These uh, podcasts are best uh, digested with exercise. And now here's your host, Reeve Hamilton. Thank you. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the TribCast for the third week of October. I am joined by executive editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. Editor Emily Ramshaw. Hello there. And reporter Jim Malowitz. Howdy. And early voting is underway. And so I guess we should check in and see how those races are going.
2: Well, you know, I guess we're going to find out here pretty quick, finally, whether all of this noise about vote production and Battleground Texas and Texas organizing project and all this stuff that the Democrats have been touting has actually borne any fruit. I mean, it looks like a really low energy election. And if you talk to candidates around the state right now and say, what are people saying when you go door to door? They say, wait, there's an election. (laughs) So it's really kind of odd. Um, You know, The Obama thing has plagued the Democrats this year. Even if we were a swing state, it would be a uphill battle this year. The Ebola thing, I was up in Dallas for a couple of days this week, and Ebola seems to be the first word on everybody's lips, which is, you know, if you're as trying, long as to, it's just the word. Oh, well, if you're trying saying, to get any, yeah. if you're trying to get any attention for anything else, you know, if you're a politician trying to get votes, for example, or you're trying to get attention for anything else, you're just sunk.
3: I'm watching the beads of sweat accumulating on Ross's forehead. Are you feeling all right?
2: <laughs> it's it's warm in here. <laughs> but if you, if it's it a <laughs> and then lick it right. If you <laughs> wow, that took an unfortunate turn. <laughs> if
0: you're worried about. Ebola in the state, does that in any way harm the Republicans since it's a Republican-led state full of Ebola?
2: You know, the politics of this are interesting. It seems to be attaching in a negative way to, like almost everything else does right now, to the Obama administration, to the CDC, uh, to a lesser extent to the National Institutes of Health. But uh, the state health department, the governor, seem to be sort of avoiding any political damage from this. The guy that's interesting to watch here really is Clay Jenkins, who's the... Dallas County judge. He's a Democrat. He won a really close race in 2010, got into office with just under 50 percent of the vote. And instead of uh, governing cautiously, like you might expect someone like that to do, he's been sort of out front about things. He was this summer uh, jumping in front of the unaccompanied minors thing, the kids coming over the border from Honduras and other Central American countries. He said, you know, Dallas will put some of those up. It turned out that they didn't need to or have to. But, you know, it put him on the Republican radar in some ways in a negative way. He's been
3: the MSNBC darling of
2: late. (laughs) Right. The MSNBC darling of late. He's been out front in the public response in both a negative and a positive way on the Ebola thing. And and he's on the ballot this year. So I'm curious to see how that's going to go.
3: He's also, you know, got the white male Democrat thing going for him, which is, is that a it, thing? It, it, in Texas, it's a thing. It Back is a me thing. up on this, Ross. Yeah, this
2: was the classic way for a Texas Democrat to win. To look like a Republican, but to be sympathetic. Like, sort of this is where George Bush was trying to go with compassionate conservatism. This is the John Sharp model,
1: right? This his nice deep draw kind of help, too, at least to get him on MSNBC.
3: I'm sure I think they just I think they
0: just got sick of Wayne Slater and needed somebody.
3: You know, I think since we're talking about the political implications of this Ebola stuff, I think what's really interesting, you know, you saw how um, politically this got out of control pretty fast. And you had Rick Perry, you know, rushing home from Europe where he was on some kind of a, um, you know, some kind of a trip junket. uh, And he rushes back and he's, you know, back front and center. There's a press conference almost every day now. Um, You know, and and they've started doing what they always do in this case with these cases, which is they turn around to the federal government and they point the finger and they say, you guys, you know, you should have done a better job at this. You should have been more in control. We had a fantastic story this morning, uh, Wednesday morning by Jay Root and Edgar Walters. That was really a look at who ought to have been in control or who got to be in control and all these issues around whether the federal government should have worked faster to quarantine these people. Texas leaders, you know, the governor's office, these guys had full authority to step in and say, we're going to quarantine or we're going to monitor. Uh, and they didn't take advantage of any of, of that legal authority that the state is granted. So it's, it's just interesting to look at the finger pointing that's already are, begun. Are we
0: conceding that this has gotten out of control? I mean, so far, it's just, you know, the guy that caught it in Africa and came over and then two people that worked. Mm-hmm in direct contact with them have no, contracted the virus, the virus. is
3: certainly not out of control mm-hmm, in Texas. Right. It's under yeah. complete control. I mean, and I think this, you know, again, this story has had crazy legs but the reality is this is so so difficult to contract
0: little known side effect of ebola yeah why why, <laughs> crazy <it> the, legs. <laughs>
1: yeah. why isn't rick perry talking about the flu i mean it's a much worse uh, i know i mean them. you think yeah. about all the
3: people who die every year from the flu and how right. many people are you know wearing face masks in the airport yet don't get a flu shot
2: mm-hmm. if this was a serious worthy of freak out thing in dallas there would be calls for people not flying out of the dallas fort worth airport just like there are the airports in liberia i mean you know it's it's a very limited thing, and it's one of those moments when you see a, an infectious disease get headlines in a way that infectious diseases that are here all the time don't. Flu is right. a great example. Staff infections in mm-hmm. hospital, hospital-born infections, are commonplace, but it's not a big, scary, horrible thing from a foreign country that you know. It just doesn't. Uh, the thing about the Ebola thing is, it just looked like started off looking like a movie. So the
0: the out of control thing is sort of a more of a messaging. Thing and a public confidence thing,
2: yeah. And plus, we're all flunking our national science IQ test. <laughs> yeah, clearly in a huge way.
1: Well, and, and I do wonder too. You know, with the way that the the feds of of course predict, predictably have you know gotten flack for you know not having it under control, according to some people, I, I do wonder. You know, if, if they had clamped down and and didn't let some of these people travel or you know had had quarantined more people than than maybe necessary. I mean, would they? get criticized by texas politicians for you know taking away personal liberties liberties. yeah yeah Yeah. yes Yes.
2: (laughs) the weird case study for this is in jaws it's the mayor who's trying to keep the beach open and also keep everybody safe is there you know do we have to worry about the shark or do we not have to worry about the shark you know you can make a mistake either way but that really it, it really illustrates the public policy problem with this with hurricane warnings with flood warnings this is kind of how all of that stuff pivots that was a great. Well, Ridge looking analogy. at me incredulously.
0: <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think that we should just devote the rest of the this episode of the podcast to talking about the movie Jaws. I'm, I'm good with that. I can, yeah.
1: <laughs> but what about Sharknado, though?
0: Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, the Jaws of today. That's yeah.
3: next week. All okay. right. Okay. Uh,
0: c- can we get back a little bit just to the political race stuff? Uh, we're getting to- <laughs> okay. okay. Fine. <laughs> I
2: know
0: you guys love Ebola. The
3: media loves to talk about Ebola. Uh,
2: I think Ebola has been a really good candidate. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> there's no polling on Ebola, right. I don't think.
3: What is there polling on, Ross?
2: Uh, there's a <laughs> lot of polling out there in these races. Uh, Bob Stein over at uh, Rice University did some polling for the University of Houston um, for um, KUHF this week and, you know, found that the races for statewide positions are not close. We've got some polling coming out. Um, we'll write about it tomorrow morning. I haven't actually seen all of the numbers, but. Um, something to look forward to in next week's yeah, podcast. Something to look certainly. forward to in, in in tomorrow morning's Texas Tribune, but um, right. depending on when you listen, right.
3: This is the Texas Tribune University of Texas poll, right? Landing tomorrow morning, right? Thursday, Thursday
2: morning. We're going to land tomorrow with some um, horse race stuff, and then a little bit more of that on Friday, and then next week some of the policy stuff that some of the issues that are influencing people while they're voting. But it, you know, the when you talk to the candidates, you know the especially, you know, down at the House level, at the Senate level, you know, candidates who are running local races and actually banging on doors, it seems to be a pretty low-energy election year. Voters just aren't, you know, most voters just aren't tuned, tuned into this. We're,
0: but we're starting to see, uh, I think, maybe not the final arguments, but we're in this home stretch now with early voting underway. We're going to see the arguments serve, the final attacks that people are making. And Davis has really, in the last week— uh, latched on to this notion that Greg Abbott said. I think in the San Antonio Express News editorial board meeting was asked if he would have defended uh, interracial marriage bans and he right. refused to say that he wouldn't.
2: He said it was a hypothetical and he wasn't going to answer a hypothetical question and um, it turned into a big, giant, steaming mess. <laughs> uh,
3: the thing is I mean, after reading his response to it, I mean, look, we all know that Abbott is in an interracial marriage. You know, he, his she, his wife would be the first Latina first lady in Texas. Although it's not All, the it's
0: not the sort of interracial marriage that those laws were really designed to true. prevent.
3: All that aside, he totally fumbled that. <laughs> I mean, y- you don't refuse to answer. You don't say, "Well, that's a hypothetical." I mean, this that's the point in time where you say. I, boy, I'd resign before I'd defend an interracial marriage.
0: Right. Then. You can't just say, well, if my job is to do something right. terrible, I'm just going to do he's it. He's still answering
2: gubernatorial questions like an attorney general. He's right. saying, you know, well, I'll look at the facts of the case in front of me. I mean, you can, right. you can always see in his answers, you know, whether you're with him or against him, you, you kind of slap your forehead and say you're not a judge anymore and you're not going to be an AG for five more minutes. You but, know, you know, look, be an we're, we're
3: at a time when, you know, Texas is defending its gay marriage ban? I mean, you know, on the one hand, are you going to say I'm going to de- – yes, of course I'm going to defend the state's, you know, gay marriage ban. Um, but, I, but you know, when it comes to interracial marriage, I totally, you know, would have quit before I defended that.
0: I think there are probably plenty of people who would try to make that argument.
3: Oh, sure, Which they would.
2: he opted not to do for some reason. Right. It's one of those questions, you know, this always gives politicians vapor lock. It's when you first hear the question, it's like if I say yes – that's bad. If I say no, that's bad.
3: Um, it was a terrible answer. Right.
0: I think, it was I a think, terrible answer. And I think uh, Peggy Fikak followed up and said, I don't think you answered that. And he said, oh, no, I didn't, <laughs> yeah, right. basically. You were right. listening very well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, is that enough to actually move any polls, do you think? Was it a bad enough fumble that it It was a fumble. It
2: wasn't a bad enough fumble, I don't think. I mean, you never really know until you know. But it <clears throat> it tells you a little bit about the Davis campaign. Their Their strategy in the last two weeks is this – Accidental, existential sort of thing. It's not like it fits into a narrative line necessarily. You know, if, if, if for something like this to matter, it has to um, matter to voters and it has to matter in the context of everything else that they've seen. So, for example, um, Ann Richards is running against Clady Williams. When he fumbles at the end, it fits into a storyline of this guy fumbles a lot. He's not ready for primetime. If the Abbott thing sticks, it's because it fits into a larger narrative that Davis largely has not provided so far. Mm -hmm. It's
3: it's, her campaign is really just sort of just you know waiting for him to fumble, benefiting from him his you know fumbles as opposed to sort of driving the narrative. I think, which is a little problematic, especially at this juncture. Right. Their
2: problem is that you know that that race you know probably more than most others. That's the race where the question that voters are sort of looking at. Uh, to her detriment is, uh, do you like the administration in Washington or not? And
0: right. that's what we've seen from the Abbott campaign this week, uh, which I think was the predictable line of attack all along. And sort of, I guess, if it works, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Kind right. of running against line. Obama
3: versus running against Wendy Davis.
0: Right. I think she had a speech where she said that it was time for people to stop spiting the president just to say no, and that turned into an Abbott press release saying that she was all in in her support of Obama. So I guess that gets back to your question of if the federal government had done X, would Texas mm-hmm. politicians have criticized it for doing Always. X? Always. And the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm,
1: so learning, the, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm, yeah. you know, <laughs> still relatively new here. Yeah. <laughs> just just right. putting that out there. Uh,
0: so I guess stay tuned for our polls. Is the, right. Stay and tuned. that's the real message of this stay whole tuned. thing. <laughs> right. you know. so next week we'll talk about our polling and well, how great it is. Welcome to our
3: advertorial. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: let's move on to uh, you know, the – Issue that Jim is here to enlighten us on. Yes, which is... our, the Texas Tribune
3: yeah, why, is, why is Jim here? He's here to <laughs> yeah. talk about the Texas Tribune softball team.
1: Yeah, and our triumph over Texas Monthly. <laughs> what was the score in this? This, this, was, this uh, was softball. They don't we, have a mercy rule. We passed
3: obviously, the Golden Glove. The Golden <laughs> Glove is passed back into our court
1: after. Oh no, I think as as Ryan called it, it was the uh, Golden court. New York Times partnership. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but, well,
0: you're here to tell me what, should I be happy or sad that. Uh, I can get much cheaper gas now than I was able to well, a think, few weeks ago. Well, I,
1: I think it's fair to be to be happy about that uh, personally because it's it's a thing that's happening. Um, but uh, I was looking at uh, earlier this week, um, you know, whether this uh, so so oil prices have uh, have uh, plummeted in the past four months uh, about 20% um, down from up over a hundred dollars a barrel to now it's, they're kind of hu- um, hovering in the $80 barrel range um, and so the question is you know in Texas which is a you know uh, has a history of booms and busts um, in a lot of these oil towns is usually um,
0: the latter follows the it the usually does
1: stuff. I mean at Pretty much every time there's yeah. been a boom, there's been a bust. And so there's been discussion before this recent tumble about, you know, how, how long this is boom going to last. And it's been sort of extended years and years. You know, we're about four years in, and that's almost unprecedented. And uh, discussion is, you know, whether it, this could be up to 25 years um, because of hydraulic fractionings unlocked all these um, – Untapped resources, um, but uh, the energy world's gotten a little bit of a scare uh, more recently in these past four months with the, with the price decline. And so the question is, I think on a lot of people's minds was, you know, is this the beginning of something awful for some of these communities? And so and, is it? And and so far it seems to be no. I mean, you know, you never know what prices are going to continue to do, but. A lot of people have just been saying, as uh, sort of the the experts and and the folks in the who are running these communities are saying you know we're we're budgeting conservatively. I talked to um some people um in in Carn City and in midland and and they're saying that the city planning um uh kind of you know it kind of lags behind economic conditions in terms of how much you're budgeting um you know, for for the future. And a lot of a lot of these communities are 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 really you know, they're not banking on um, uh, you know, continued explosive growth. Um so so right now um they're basically saying you know we're not sweating it the status quo um and that you know if if prices don't decline, you know, maybe twenty more dollars um soon. Um I you know we think we're okay. Um how how
0: yeah. how invested are they in you know maintaining a a oh. sort of a sense of
1: They certainly optimism. are. Yeah, I mean I mean there, there's there's definitely a reason why they don't want to say, "Hey everybody, um, freak out and yeah, and right. take your money to a you different know, version yeah. of the bear yeah. from Jaws." Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but uh but for the most part and and, and you know, uh experts in in uh you know, you know, um energy production and and economic experts are saying too that it really isn't um there really isn't a reason to freak out um, right now just because partly um, Texas is insulated a little bit. Uh, probably some other areas of the country um, could be hit harder by a potential slowdown in drilling. Um, North Dakota's Bakken Shale, for instance, where um, a lot of that oil still needs to be trucked out or, or transported on a train, which is really expensive. Um, that's not the case in Texas for the most part. You know, we have a more robust pipeline system and, you um, companies have invested millions and millions of dollars into other infrastructure in the Eagleford Shale, you know, in South Texas and the West Texas Permian Basin, where um, th- it's really been built up over these past four years over this fairly long already boom. And they're saying that, you know, this sort of temporary price drop, uh, you know, shouldn't, you know, make everyone freak out. And so pull so out. walk
2: through the economics of this a little bit. This mm-hmm. is This is mainly because supply is, um, yeah. is big. So prices have fallen. So the people Correct. that are actually affected by this immediately aren't necessarily the oil companies or the Owners, although their cash flow will change, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the people who
1: are working. Sure, sure, and and yeah. So um, basically, we have this glut of um, oil um, that's uh, out there right now, partly because, um, um, partly because. Uh, Texas and you know has been producing so much, um, and uh, so far OPEC, um, the organization of uh, petroleum producing countries, hasn't decided to decided to cut production. And there's discussions about whether Saudi Arabia and some of those other countries will will definitely decide to to keep driving down the price sort of to compete with the US for now. So that's kind of a big question in, in the energy world. But um, yeah, so, so so right now, um, you know, some companies might be sort of choking back their production a little bit um, in, in, in some areas or um, just not drilling as many wells. But for the most part, at least right now, it sounds like, you know, some of these big plays in Texas are still going to get attention, although some of the more Emerging plays where there's exploration, you know, outside the Eagle Ford and, and Permian, um, these towns that that have wanted to pitch themselves as sort of the next destination for drillers, you know, there might be kind of a lag there in, in whether they're going to see development. So, are
2: they idling any workers or cutting back any hours or anything um, like that? Yet? Not,
1: not, not yet. No. Sure. Um, and so, so we kind of got to see, you know, if if prices drop, you know, another ten dollars a barrel um, in certain in certain areas, we, we might start seeing that. But uh, right now, we don't. We don't see that, but but uh CEOs right now if energy companies are putting together their twenty fifteen budgets, so it's kind of weighing on their minds um, where they might cut back
0: for some of these towns that are sort of bursting at the seams from all the growth that's happened around the uh you know the various booms in Texas. Could a little slowdown be sort of a bit of relief for them? Could it um, be yeah. sort of the silver lining? Yeah, and, and
1: actually that that is some one of the things that would probably some, surprise some folks. Yeah, um, and, and that's something directly that uh, city officials in Midland and Carn City said, you know, obviously we don't want to see – you know, you, you you generally want to keep growing, right? But but they have had all these problems with roads, and um, it's, well, it's mainly roads, really. Um, and uh, and, uh, and and housing, you know, and, and trying to, you know, give them um,
0: some time to build fancier man camps. Yeah, yeah. F-
1: figure out where teachers are going to stay, um, as their schools have been growing. Um, that's a big problem, uh, particularly in Carnes City and 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 Midland. Teachers, social workers, um, so they're looking for options for them. And and yeah, they they actually said, you know, um, we we could use some relief, so. Interesting here. Well,
0: maybe they'll get it. <laughs> everything else collapses. That'd be careful what yeah, you yeah. wish for, right? <laughs> yeah,
3: right.
0: Uh, well, I guess speaking of I careful was, what you wish for. Oh, what, I was going to say gonna the say? best
3: possible transition is speaking of relief. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to wrap this up for you. <laughs> no, we're
0: not
1: done. Oh,
3: <laughs>
0: we
1: have more. We have more softball to talk about. We, we really didn't give any <laughs> details. Minute, we yet We
2: didn't do this well, score the twenty-seven who, points yeah. in a I'm softball the one who game. Needed the relief. We won twenty-seven runs.
1: Twenty-five. That was
0: terrible Matthew just did. What?
1: You also said points. Yeah, yeah, I did. Conference. I did. Yeah. I did. Sorry. Yeah, Thirty-nine,
0: me. <laughs> Thirty-nine points.
2: I'm just. I was
0: just he, looking at the top. Our, score. Our, I our top thought it was twenty-seven. Going into the
3: game, we were short one man, mm-hmm. and I called Evan and said, "He what is, what is one short
0: man. Yeah. <laughs> and
3: said you need to come out here and play. We need you. He declined. He
0: yeah. declined. Where is he when the Tribune needs him? That's a good, mm-hmm. question. good question. Where is he today? Luckily, Jim mm-hmm. is here. Just been a big step up. What are we talking about? <laughs> I no idea. You're the moderator. Ah, that is a common <laughs> misconception. <laughs> Let's talk about Buddy Barfield.
2: All right. Uh, uh, Buddy Barfield is a longtime political aide to David Dewhurst. He's been around Texas politics for years and years. He worked in the Clady Williams campaign. Um, he's a Republican, um, well-respected sort of um, backroom guy, not you know the kind of guy you see at the microphone or anything like that. And in the last, um, I guess, in, in Dewhurst's campaign for – United States Senate against Ted Cruz. Barfield was the guy in charge of the books for both the federal campaign and the state campaign and turns out to have embezzled $1.8 million. He uh, is doing a federal plea agreement this week that could send him to jail for a little bit. Uh, I think five to 10 years. I don't have it well, right a in front of A little bit. Uh, it's
3: up to 28 years?
2: Yeah. Okay. Well,
0: uh, he has three – he pled guilty to three charges that altogether – if he got the maximum on all of them he would be facing 28 years and you know over 600 grand in fines right. but
3: so the prosecutors asked for a lighter sentence lighter spectrum of you know on the lighter side of the spectrum for his sentence in light of his guilty plea
2: still he's looking at federal prison time right. uh he has a house on in a um old east austin uh, that he has ceded over to the Dewhurst campaign uh, that they have for sale now um and it's just, you know, it's just a, a really tragic, awful story. I just got behind on personal loans and things like that and um you know, it's a as as that goes, it's kind of a standard embezzlement story, but it's just an awful thing. You know, really respected guy, you know, the, the nature of embezzlement is it always is somebody that's in a in a real position of trust. And this is one of the three or four people that Dewhurst really had faith in and just kind of a sad story all around. You think
3: he's gonna serve prison time?
2: I do. He really
0: hasn't put up much of a fight since I think they confronted him. They found this accounting error in the campaign accounts in uh, December 2012. So after the the campaign was sort of winding down, right? Uh, it was over at and, and They were well, they were closing the, the books. books on the
2: federal campaign and you know getting ready for another reelection campaign for lieutenant governor. And um,
0: but it sounds like as soon as he was confronted, he left and said, "I'll." Try to pay you back, and sort of has not really put up a fight since then. Oz obviously made evidence right. by his guilty plea this week, right?
3: Right. I mean, it sounds like the, these charges came pretty quick. You know, it wasn't like he was, it wasn't like he was quietly given the opportunity to you know repay the they,
2: money. They did a big forensic investigation inside the campaign to figure out exactly what happened, how long it went on, how much money was involved, all of that kind of stuff. But the facts of the thing, once it sort of you know once it was discovered, doesn't seem like there was much of a. Conversation about whether or not it happened. It was just like, how deep was this? How far does it go? What are the consequences? And that's it's taken terrible. this long to kind of sort it out.
1: Right. And this was sort of him, like, just gradually submitting false um, expense reports, just sort of chipping away. I um, think it was,
2: you know, one of those he probably thought he could cover it at the beginning, and it just, you know, escalated, it snowballed. About one point eight
3: on million, it. or one
2: point eight cumulatively,
0: right. and that's cumulatively? that's over from two thousand eight to two thousand twelve.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a so that goes
0: a little bit before the
2: Senate race. Right, 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 uh,
3: more than a quarter million dollars a year that's not exactly you know just for well, in, interestingly reports.
2: this is this is a complete side issue, but you know Dewhurst is a you know really wealthy individual, and um one of the one of the interesting things here was that this was not a cash starved campaign, so you know there there's the sort of speculation that if this had been a normal campaign where there are you know scrubbing for nickels and dimes, that they would have noticed it very quickly. But mm-hmm. in a campaign where you've got a, a rich principal and a self-financing principle, it's, um, you know, the the money's not as tight. But so boy, you know, it seems like controls if, weren't if he as was tight. in
3: a financial bind, if he was having a personal crisis, you know, why not just go to Dewhurst, mm-hmm. your great friend who's very wealthy and say— And not, and not known <clears throat> to be ungenerous. And not known to be ungenerous and say, buddy, it's, you know, uh, give me you know, a hand here.
2: Yeah, you never can know that. I mean, it's right. just, you know, and that obviously looks really smart. In the rearview mirror, yeah. I'm just, you know. And now
3: he's going to, you know, federal prison in these federal charges mean there's no opportunity for parole. So he's, you know, whatever he gets sentenced to, he's serving that time. Federal prison is not exactly a gentle and easy place. I mean, that's, you know, terrifying.
0: Well, and as someone who's been in this world for longer than the rest of us on the podcast, I mean, is this. Are when you calling you,
3: Ross old right now? <laughs> no, I'm
1: I just, just going to say for someone who's been in federal prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm calling Ross experienced. <laughs>
0: Is, is this like, oh, there goes another one? Or is this a pretty big shock? Or, no, this uh, where is does a shock. This, rank?
2: this is a shock. I mean, you know, this isn't like somebody got into a campaign. You know, periodically you'll have these, – these things happen. It happened with one of Lloyd Doggett's aides a few years ago. You know, it happens sometimes. People get around a whole lot of money and aren't accustomed to, to it and, you know, sometimes steal. Uh, Barfield's a little bit different thing. This guy's, you know, been in um, – Business, he's been around large amounts of money. He was he, you know, he'd earned a position of trust in the Dewhurst campaign and with Dewhurst personally. And it's surprising, you know, just because somebody who really you know knows how to deal with this kind of money and and, and is trusted by these people, um, let this get away from him. It wasn't like a classic, oh, here's a cookie jar. I'll take a couple of cookies. It was um, a little you know a little more complicated than that. Well, so that's sort of a somber note to end on. Wah, wah. <laughs> Well, that, that, that <laughs> was not for, a somber note. <laughs> Thank you for changing the note.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you have questions or comments about any of this stuff. Including
3: you, federal prison. Yeah,
0: if you'd like to be run to be the mayor of the town in Jaws.
1: Or, or yeah. if you'd like to be on the alternate uh, list for our softball team. Oh, right. Good
3: yeah. plug. If the you, winning softball winning,
1: team. Uh, we have won. A game. 1-1. One, 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 is this the only yeah. win? So far. Well, we've only played four. For th- four years? No, <laughs> no. no. Well, we have. Is this, is this uh, the
3: actually, only win in the history of the Texas Tribune this softball This is maybe team? win number like two in the history of the Texas Tribune softball. Maybe three. So three, how,
2: how bad does Texas Monthly stink? <laughs> you mean at softball? Yeah. Uh,
3: well, They uh, don't stink. <laughs> no. The they
1: magazine does stink. They have hitters.
2: those perfume ads. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's an old gripe of mine. But.
1: Yeah. We just have a lot of heart. Is that oh, yeah. what it was? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's what you got to have. You got to have And, Baseball, have, and, and good, good t shirts.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
3: All right. Well, on that note. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, if you have it's questions or comments, it. you can email them to tripcast at We'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And on behalf of Emily, Jim, Ross, and the Mayor John of Jordan, <laughs> who is filling in for our producer, Todd. This is Reeve. Thanks for listening. Texas Talking. Ooh, the is talking.
2: Shake your saxophone, man.